May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. On this Sunday, one of the last Sundays before the new church year begins, we started our worship service praying the collect assigned for this the 23rd Sunday after Pentecost. This is one of my very favorite prayers in the Book of Common Prayer. The words in this collect that are used to describe how we are to approach the Holy Scriptures paint a picture of a deep, ongoing, challenging, and life-giving relationship that comes when we engage with God's Word and when we let that Word work in us and through us. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given to us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Hear, read, mark, learn and inwardly digest. This is a reminder to us that Holy Scriptures are not merely stories that we listen to for entertainment or texts we consult for information as an academic exercise, but are instead words filled with God's presence, words that we don't just hear with our ears or read with our eyes. Holy Scriptures are intended to be taken in like food for hungry people filling each of us with hopeful nourishment and providing fuel for our faith journey as we discover not only what is contained in the verses, but also prepare for God's holy word to change us as we return again and again to the table. And to continue the food metaphor a bit longer, the Bible can be like the longest, most abundant buffet table imaginable an extravagant banquet consisting of plates and platters overflowing with a multitude of dishes and different tastes and aromas, drawing our attention and prepared for our benefit. But as we are apt to do at any feast, there are foods that we are quick to put on our plates and even come back for seconds, and others that we take a look at and pass on by regardless of the quality of the food or the nutritional value because it's something that we just don't want. For example, I'd be happy to fill up my plate with my mother's delicious homemade chicken and dumplings, but I'll most definitely turn my nose up at anything that is made with peas. We can be tempted to approach scripture this same way, quick to take up what is enjoyable, comforting, and familiar, and just as ready to turn away from what we don't want, preferring to avoid what seems unpalatable rather than to taste and to see what comes from hearing, reading, marking, learning, and inwardly digesting everything that we are offered. This is something I've struggled to do all week because with the exception of today's psalm, every other scripture reading assigned for us this morning seems to me just a big bowl of unappetizing peas. <laughs> From Malachi prophesying the complete, harsh, 
and utter obliteration of the arrogant and the evildoers, to Jesus talking about the destruction of the temple, of wars and insurrections, famines and plagues, and the arrest, persecution, and death of his followers, to Paul's exhortation to the Thessalonians that they keep away from believers who are living in idleness, and his assertion that anyone unwilling to work should not eat. It is difficult for me to find anything remotely appealing in any of these words, and they certainly aren't scripture passages that I would have chosen. But these are the times when being a lectionary-based church pushes us to wrestle with what seems uncomfortable or unpleasant to discover the holy lessons that have been prepared for us. And that's the first thing I notice about the readings today. Whether it's Malachi saying, see, the day is coming, or Paul directing the Thessalonians' attention to the serious problems of idleness in the followers of Jesus, or Jesus himself talking clearly about very real dangers, the persecution and betrayal that lies ahead for those who put their faith and trust in Jesus. Instead of skipping over or distracting from what is difficult and scary, all of these speakers are commanding their listeners to face these realities head on, not avoiding or sugarcoating the problems and challenges but shining a bright light on them so that they cannot be missed. But what also ties these three stories together is the promise of hope, restoration, and wholeness that is possible for God's faithful people, even when everything that is visible appears to offer only pain and disappointment. The day that will bring destructive flames to burn up the sinful will also bring healing light to people who trust the Lord. Believers are encouraged to turn away from inaction and an unhelpful meddling and get on with doing the work that they have been shown how to do and been given to do as followers of Jesus. Do not be weary in doing what is right. And most incredibly of all, Jesus promises that those who put their trust in him rather than the fleeting safety of the world well, they may endure terrible strife and hatred and persecution and betrayal by family and friends, but says Jesus, not a hair on your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. There is powerful good news here, but it is surrounded by so much that is heavy, so much that seems insurmountably negative. How do God's people endure and remain faithful in these circumstances? How do we? The tumultuous world that Jesus describes sounds far too familiar to our ears. Our world continues to war. Hunger and disease still bring suffering and death. Unpredictable natural disasters cause destruction. And although we live in a place where we are free to gather to worship without fear of persecution, that is certainly not true for all people. But as in Jesus' time, we can listen to his encouragement to keep from being terrified by all of these things, and instead focus our efforts on trusting his assurance that no amount of brokenness in the world can overcome God's love and power present in the lives of God's faithful people. 
Living faithfully, however, sometimes easier said than done, and often drawing on the support, encouragement, and example of other, other believers can help us in our unbelief when we struggle. But there are times that being in community is difficult, too. As Paul seems to be addressing in his letter to the Thessalonians, he says that despite the examples he and others have given to the people regarding how followers of Jesus should work and not be a burden on others, there are people in the community who are identified as believers who are choosing not to work and who are instead spending their time being busybodies, creating burdens on other people. It is so hard for our 21st century American ears to hear these words and not immediately start thinking of work as a paycheck-drawing, tax-paying, wage-earning activity and start making a list of those people we need to avoid. People who aren't employed in our economy in the ways that we think are acceptable. These words of Paul's has, have certainly been used in this way many times as a means to condemn others to justify keeping distance from people who are materially poor or to judge the value of a person based on how they are employed. After reading this passage over and over again this week, I kept coming back to these words. We did not eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor, we worked night and day so that we might not burden any of you. Instead of reading this and thinking of work that Paul and his companions do is for their own feeding, to fill their own bellies, what might it mean if we view their toil and labor as work done to, primarily to assure that they don't increase the burdens of others, that they make sure that their energy and attention are relieve the concerns and problems of the people around them rather than being primarily done for their own welfare? Instead of looking to make a list of those people we think fall short, can we hear this as encouragement to make sure our own work is done with a focus on easing the burdens of others? Can we reflect on the things that we might be doing that cause harm or add to the problems people are carrying and work to change our own actions? Are we willing to do this kind of work? I pray that we are because I believe that when we engage in this type of work, there is the possibility that everyone will be able to eat. As we go out from this place today, may we continue to reflect on these holy words of scripture that God has prepared for us. May we continue to hear, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them. And may we be ready for our work to be guided by God's power and God's presence so that there is nourishment available for all people. And when we struggle or tire of this work, may we be encouraged by Paul's words, do not be weary in doing what is right. Amen.